All right, today's daf is daf Yud Tes, page 19. Good morning, good Nerev Shabbos, and afraid of Lag Boimer. So um, yesterday we ended off the bottom of Yud Ches Amad Beis with the Mishnah, which described um, what would take place throughout the seven days uh, that the Kain Gadol separated himself, as well as some halachos that took place particularly on Erev Yom Kippur. They would show him the animals, the sacrifices, so on and so forth. Our Gemara today picks up on the d- top of Daf Yutas Olive, and we're going to continue to explain up until Lamad Bey's um, the process that the Kain Gadol went through when we get to Ahmed Bayes, we're going to get onto some very interesting Gemaras that have to do with the Kahanim Gedalim of the era of the second Bayes HaMikdash. Okay, so here we go. Zog the Gemara. Tana, we learned in a Braisa, the Lamdai Chafina, the reason why they brought him to the uh, Lishka of Aftinas to do the, uh, the Katairas, so, so that he could learn how to exactly do uh, use his fingers to separate the kataris, and that's where all the the um, pieces that that's where all the materials for the kataris were set aside. Amar of Papa, of Papa says, "Stay lishkais halu hayulayla kain gadol kain gadol." Had two lishkais, had two rooms. Achas lishkas parhedrin. One one room is the lishkas parhedrin. So oh, one room was the parhedrin room. Achas lishkas beis and the other room was the Avtina's room. Now, the Farhedjan room is the original room that, that was his headquarters, right? That's where he would sleep, Rashi explains. And that's where he, that, you know, that's where we discussed in the beginning. That was his main room during the seven days. Another one was the Avtina's room where all the uh, parts for the Kateris were kept. Achas Betzof and Vachas Bedarim was in the north, once in the south. Achas Betzof, and how do you know one of the rooms was in the north? The time we lived in the Mishnah. Sheish Lishkas Ayyub Azar, there were six rooms in the Azar. Shalish Betzof and Shalish Bedarim, three in the north, three in the south. The names of the rooms in the south were the Melach room, the salt room, the Parva room, and the Medichim, right? Madiach is to rinse off, to wash off. Why was it called the salt room? That's what they kept, all the salts uh, for the Karbonis. That's where they would take care of the skins of Kachim. The Algago Haisa based Tvila, and on the roof of the base Parva, there was a base Tvila. There was a house of dipping, literally, uh, which we refer to as a mikvah. The Kangalo be a mikvah for the Kangalo on Yom Kippur Lishkas, Madikim Shamayim, Madikim Kerbekodjim. And the room where they would rinse things off, that's where they rinse, rinsed off the insides of the of the Karbanais. Umisham, Mesiva, Ila, Legag, Base Parva. And from this Madikin room, from this rinsing room, there was a Mesiva, Ila. The word Mesiba is usually when things are gathered around. So over here, there apparently was some sort of stairwell that that uh, went upstairs, Lagag Beis Aparva, to the Mikvah. Shalai Shabbat Zavim. So those were the three rooms in the south. Again, what were the three rooms in the south? Let's keep this in mind. The Salt Room, the, the Melach Room, the Parva Room, and the and the uh, room for Medichim, for the rinsing. Shalai Shabbat Zavim. The three rooms in the north were called Lishkasa Eitz. The room for the wood, Lishkas HaGayla, the, uh, the wood of the Gaila, okay? And um, the Rashi explains the reason why it was called the Gaila wasn't that it was meant for people in Golos at any particular time. Rather, that was a room that the people in Golos 
or I, I wouldn't call it Golis, it's not true, because we weren't in Golis, but people living outside Eretz Yisrael, even when they, we weren't in Golis, um, they took responsibility, they made this room, they, they took care of the upkeep, and Lishkas HaGozis, and the room of the stone. Okay, okay. <laughs> Lish, Lishkas hates the room for the wood. Amar I forgot what it was for. Okay, and I was I forgot what the what the purpose was. He didn't know what it was even called, what it was used for. We we quoted a piece of this brisa. Uh, we quoted a piece of this brisa earlier. What? Okay. Abashol um, Abashol told him that Lishkas Kaingodol that this room was the Lishkas Kaingodol. Now, what does that mean? The wood room wasn't the room for Kaingodol. So. The, what this means is, is that he's referring to the Parhedron room. He forgot what the main purpose of the Parhedron room was, and we're going to get into this now. Here we go. Says the Gemara, because it's a little confusing. Let's follow along again. We said there were three rooms in the north. The room for the wood, the wood that was put together by the people in Golos, and the wood for the stone. And the wood for the stone. Okay. And then Rabbi Elias ben said, I forgot what was Mishameshes. I forgot what the, pur- what the purpose of that room was for. Now, it wasn't clear exactly what it is. The last room that we're mentioning, well, which, which room exactly? So it's either referring to, again, the Parhedron room or the Lishkas Beisavtinas. He didn't know to which Abishol responded that that was the Lishka for the Kain Gadol. And Haisa Acharei the wood room was behind the Lishkas Golos and the room of the stones, Vegag Shloshton Shove. But even though it was behind, there was the same height for all three rooms. Lishkas Hagayla, and in the room that was, put, that was built by people who lived outside Eretz Yisrael, Sham Hayabara Hagayla, there was a well that the people of Golos had, had uh, created about Galgal Nosanolov, and there was a large Galgal. Galgal usually is like a round boulder um, that was placed upon it. Umisham mafsikin mayim l'chol azara, and the, it was put on top of it to protect the water, to make it useful, not to block it, to make it not useful. And that was the well that they would use. That was the source of water that they would use to supply to the entire azara. Lishkas agazis and the room of these stones. What was that? Shom hayasan hedin shal yisoy yeshavas v'donas That was the room where the Sanhedrin sat, and they judged the Kohanim. Okay, now what does it mean they judged the Kohanim? So, very interesting. Rav Pam says that he asked a question in Parshas Yisrael, where if you do the math, I believe we come out with, after Yisrael recommends to Moshe Rabbeinu to appoint judges, sorry, Alafim, sorry, Emeya, sorry, Hamishim, sorry, Asares, if you do the math, you end up with, seven, I think it's 78,601 um, judges at a 603,000 plus, which means that if you have 603,000 plus and over 78,000 judges, that sounds terrible to, for Klai Yisrael. Why be so many judges? Why are we fighting the whole day? The answer is that a shayfate, the role of a judge, is not to settle machleks in, in particular. Rather, they're judging, they're telling us what a din is, what a halach is. And therefore, um, it's actually a praise to Klal Yisrael that every uh, every uh, six plus people needed a rav. 
because they just wanted to sit and learn and, and understand what, what halacha was. We had just received the Torah at our Sinai. That's Parshas Yisrael. And Yisrael is telling Moshe, you can't do this alone. And every six men had their own, had a rav available for them to be shayfei, to, to judge exactly what was going on over here. And that's what we're dealing with by the Sanhedrin, the Kahanim, who are all around the base of Mikdash. It doesn't necessarily mean that, that uh, because there were particular issues, okay? Umisha nimtza by psul, and they would also judge somebody who was who a psul was found. And um, if that if somebody would would uh, become puzzled there, so he would wear black clothing, and he would leave that room and uh, and uh, leave the base on mikdash. Okay. Um, okay, so they were darshan. Is this Kayan fit? Is this Kayan not fit? Is he Tameh? Does he have a mum? Right? These are so many halachas that apply to Kahanim. Out of the 613 mitzvahs, hundreds of them don't apply nowadays because they applied in the Beis HaMikdash to the Kahanim. So if a Kayan was Tameh or became, or he received a mum, um, so he would wear blacks, so everyone knows, stay away, and he would leave. And he would go back in and serve with his brothers, the Kahanim. Okay? Yeah. If they were fit, very good. Gishmak. So, right, we learned previously that that if uh, Kayan had a mom, we, he would be involved in preparing the wood. Okay, so there were certain. Uh, it depends what the tumma was and what the mom was. Okay, it depends what it was. Um, but that was the. Um, but but <laughs> but that, but that's what uh, they would be doing over there. Okay, sometimes they would be allowed back in, sometimes they wouldn't. Achas one of the rooms of the south, of the, Az- of the Azara. Ditnan, we learned in a Mishnah, Shivasharim, Hayyab Azara, there were seven gates that led to the Azara. One, uh, uh, one in the east, uh, I'm not reading that in the proper order, three in the Tzofen, north, three in the south, and one in the east. Shabadarim in the three uh, part of the three gates in the south was the Shar Hadlaka. One gate was called the gate of the Hadlaka. Okay. Now it could be it was called Hadlaka. They wouldn't uh, make a whole uh, torch, you know, bring all the torch for the Mizbeach. The Mizbeach was constantly lit, but they would bring whatever was needed for the fire through those gates. Okay. Through that through that gate in the south. Sheni Lai Shar Hakarba. And then the middle one was uh, the the middle gate in the south was called the Shar HaKarbon, okay? That was the Karbon gate. And uh, maybe that was where the Karbon HaTamid and the different Karbonis were brought through. Shlishi Lai Shar The third gate was called the Shar for the famous Simchas Beis HaShueva. Sheba Mizrach, the gates in the east, the, the one gate in the east was the Shar Niknar. And there were two rooms uh, in that part of the courtyard, one to the left, one to the right side of the gate, one to the, one to the left side of the gate. One of these rooms was used for Pinchas, who was the Malabesh. We learned about this in in uh, Shkolem, right? He was the chief tailor for all the Kahanim to uh, make sure that the Kahanim were dressed to, you know, Kahagan, they were dressed uh, appropriately and everybody had the proper sizing, and that's where they would leave, the, you know, that's where they would store their clothing. 
the Achas Lishkas Oisach Habitin, and in one of them, in the other room, was where they would prepare the Chavitin, right? There was a Mincha offering called the Minchas Chavitin. We learned that uh, previously as well. Uh, we focused on that a little bit in Pesachim, I believe. And uh, so all the preparations for this this uh, Karba Mincha was uh, uh, the Minchas Chavitin. It was a very unique Mincha in how it was scalded, so on and so forth, um, was done in that room. Shabbat Safain, and in the north, Shar Nitzutz, there was called the, the Gate of the Nitzutz, okay? Now, um, the reason why it was called the Gates of the Nitzutz is that it was open on one side, and therefore the rays of the sun were able to get in there, okay? It was able to get in there. The Binyan and there was like an overhang, and there was on top of the overhang an additional story on top of it, kind of like an attic. And the Kahanim would, would uh, go on the second floor, and the Leviim would stand on the main floor. And there was an opening to the area called the Chel. Okay, now the Chel is right outside the Azara. And it was like a, uh, it's not a, not called a pavilion. It's called a, um, it's called a, like like a field. It was a little bit of a, a courtyard outside of the standard courtyard of the base of Mikdash. Sheni Loi, and next to the gate of Nitzutz, next to the Sharha Nitzutz, again, where well, was the, the one of the rays, right? Because the fourth side was open. So, so second to that gate um, was was what was what um, oh i'm sorry okay so here what happened we we mentioned the we're we're past that already we had the gate of the carbonites we had the gate of the nitzots okay so we mentioned two gates and the, what the gemara is saying is sheni the gate next to the shar ha shar ha nitzots was the shar ha karba so they were side by side. And the third gate, Shlishi Lai Shar Beis HaMaikid. And the third gate <coughs> was the Shar Beis HaMaikid, the gate which led to that large uh, room where they had the fire and had those additional four corners that we were discussing, right? Because we had, um, right now we're talking about where the, where the gates would open up to. The third gate opened up to the fire room which was large hall in and of itself with a big fire in the middle to warm the Kahanam. And in that room also, there were four chambers as we learned previously. Vitania, we learned that the Gadol would go to the mikvah five times and wash his hands and feet. The Kulan, Kedushin, Taivo, Kain Gadol, Mekadish, Rabbi Yem, yet so uh, he would, he would, uh, Go to the mikvah, and he would chamis tefilas vasar kedushin. He go to the mikvah five times, wash his hands and feet ten times. V'chulam bekaidesh al gabei. I lost the place. V'chulam bekaidesh al gag beis haparva. And all of these going to the mikvahs were done in that mikvah that was on top of the parva room. Chutz mizu, except for this one. Now it's not clear exactly what this one is, unless you keep reading. Okay. There was one, this tvila. There was one tvila that was done al gabe shar hamayim on top of the water gate. Okay, 
And this this gate was connecting directly to the Kohen Gadol's room. So now, what's this about? So the Mefarshim explained that <coughs> even though it's not specific and it's not clear um, which uh, which tefillah we're referring to, it must be referring to the tefillah that the Kohen Gadol took immediately prior to doing the Avaida. as soon as he was starting. Okay, as soon as he started the Avaida, then you can go go. Okay. Um, because as soon as he was starting, he would go straight from his room to the mikvah and then enter the main area, and the rest of his tefillahs were done al gabe uh, the beis haparva. Adana, and I don't know now who doesn't know. So if you go back to the beginning of this brayso, we have her papa talking. So her papa says, I don't know. He lishkas parhedjim I'm not sure if the parhedjim was to the north and the aptinas to the south. I don't know which one was further north. And which one was further south? But I'll tell you what I assume. Well, Mistavra, I'll assume I, to me it makes sense. The Lishkas Parhedjim Bedarim Havid. Lishkas Parhedjim was more towards the south. My time. Why would we assume that it was the Parhedrin in the south and the base of Tinas to the north? Because what happened during the seven days when the Kohen Gadol would wake up? Mekadim Koi. He would go ahead early. And he would cover over his feet and go to the mikvah, which was next to the Lishkas Parhedrin, right? Because that's where he was staying. And then he'd go towards the north and he would start practicing for the, uh, with the Chafina, he would start practicing uh, how to handle the Kataris. And then he'd go into the Beis HaMikdash and he would practice doing the Avaidah the entire day, like we learned in the previous Mishra. And then as the day was ending, Panya, as uh, towards uh, nighttime, they would sprinkle him. Right, That's what we learned, remember? Because we had the opinion of Rabbi Akiva. This is very Gishvak. If you go back to what we learned previously, we have the opinion of Rabbi Akiva, who held he was sprinkled every day with the ash of the Paraduma. The problem is, every, there was a Gzera, whoever sprinkled the ash of the Paraduma becomes a Tzvul Yaim. So if he's a Tzvul Yaim, how could he, if they, and they sprinkled him every day, how were they able to, uh, how was he able to practice doing the Avaid and the Beis HaMikdash? So we explained, they would do it a minute before nightfall. This way, his tummy, he was able to do the whole Avaid the whole day, sprinkle him, and then, uh, and then he'd be tar immediately. Okay? Bahadar Azil Ladarim, and then he would go towards the south, Vitavovinayach, and he would go to the mikvah and go back to and go to sleep. He was finished. The uh if you say Lishkas Parhaj Batsafid, if you say the Parhajan is in the north, Maktim Kayu Mesakraglov, then he should he would wake up in the morning. Umesakraglov. Mesakraglov is a what's called a Lushan Naki. Okay, it's a clean expression. Over here it refers to using the restroom. He would go towards the south, the Tavil, and use the mikvah, the gamar chafina, and again practice the uh, by the lishkas base of tinas. And then come to the base of mikdash. Do the practice doing the avayd the entire day. And as he gets towards nightfall, he would sprinkle him. And then he would go back to the south and go to the mikvah. Then you'd have to go all the way back to the north. And why would we make him walk in circles? Yeah, there's no reason to... Basically, what Rav Papa is saying is very, very interesting. 
which is that if you want to know whether the Lishkas Beisachtinas was, was to the north of the Lishkas Parhedrin, I'll say that logically Lishkas Parhedrin was to the south. Why? Just based off of what, how he did the Avaida, why would they make a room for him situated where he's going to have to make an extra leg to get back to his original place when he's finished the Avaida? You might as well allow the Avaida to bring him back to his uh, uh, original place. And Mamela, he says it's more logical to say that it was the Parhedron in the south and the base of Tinas to the north. Says the Gemara to Papa, no, not necessarily. Alamaloi, yeah, why not make him uh, uh, t- take an extra spitzir? Okay? Maybe we should we do want him to get up and about. The Itzduki who live fresh. Because this way, if you make the Avaida harder, less rascals are going to want the job. Less people are going to want the job, yeah? So, uh, all of a sudden, oh, people are willing to do things. All of a sudden, if it's going to make me schwitz, all right, it's not going to die. I don't even do this. Inami, or you could say, that uh, the reason why you make him walk a little bit is because it could be good for his gaiva, be good for his uh, midos. Yeah, don't get too arrogant. Like, you, you also need a, you know, the kind of God will also, we're, we're not going to set you up so good. It's kedai. It's it's worthwhile for the kain gadol's own midos to have to make that extra journey back down. The ilai because if you don't say this logic, that there's times where we we particularly don't want to make it so easy on the kain gadol. Again, Rav Papa's logic was let's uh, let's make it easy on the kain gadol. That was his logic. And we're saying no. We dafka don't want to make it so easy. He says no. We do, we, we, yeah, we, we specifically don't want to make it easy. Why? Because if you don't say this, why not make all the rooms together? Why are you even making one on one side, one to the other side? Or bring, uh, why not have messengers from, from the Lishkas Beis Abtinas bring it to him? And if you're going to say, oh, maybe it's going to be Tomei, see, even keep it in the same room. Let him sleep in the Lishkas Beis Abtinas, okay? The fact that we're splitting it up will prove to you that we split it. We want there to be movement. We want him to have to walk across the to different sides. Period. End of that discussion and that part of the Mishnah. Okay, now here we get into some more fascinating and Geshmaki Gemara's, some beautiful messages in life. They would say to him, our master, the Kain Gadol, you are our Shliach Tibur. Very important to remember, right? And a lot of uh, it's also, you have to know uh, the shul, you know, just to make this practical, unfortunately, for today, when we don't yet have Mashiach. Um, but they would say, you know, sometimes you have somebody, you've got d- different shuls have different leaders davening. Some shuls appreciate a chazan. What's a chazan? A chazan is somebody who gets up there and puts on a performance. I'm not talking about a chazan in halacha. A chazan in halacha is usually somebody who's a shamish. Or somebody who's hired specifically to be for a shul. But so, yeah, somebody says, no, you dab a Muslim. He gets up there and he's a chazan. It's a performance. Okay? Some shuls like that. Some people appreciate that. That's fine. Other shuls, the culture is not to be a chazan. The culture is to be a shliach tibor. What's a shliach tibor? A messenger of a congregation. If you're a messenger of a congregation, you're not up there davening on an island. You're there, however, the congregation wants me to be there. So, if the congregation is not the type of congregation that wants a performance, you have to be a shliach tzibur and daven with the tzibur. It's not, the, it's not appropriate 
to get up there and sing the songs that we want to sing and go at the pace that we the, that we want to go. We're the we're, we're we're there to advocate on behalf of everybody, and they you know and and that's our responsibility and that's what they would remind the kain gadol about. Zok the Gemara, Leimatavetiy of the Dravuner Bray Dravishua. Let's say this is an upshlag on Dravuner Bray Dravishua. Now, what did Dravuner Bray Dravishua say that this would this would refute him? The Amar Dravuner Bray Dravishua, Hani Kahani Shluchi Derachmana Ninu Bekayanim are messengers of Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Who are we there representing? Everybody else representing Hakadosh Baruch Hu. The Amar Shluchi Didon Ninu. We're going to tell me that the Kahanim are in the base of Mikdash. To be our shluchim, to come on behalf of Klal Yisrael, top of Amadeis, is there anything that we cannot do? And our shluchim are able to do? Says a beautiful, beautiful logic. Listen to this. This is so gishmak. Says Ravuna Breed Rav Yeshua. Ravuna, the son of Rav Yeshua. I'll prove to you that the Kahanim are shluchay derachmana. They're messengers of Hashem, and they're actually not representing Klaizor. You know why? Because the halacha, the law of Baishlichus, is Shluchai Shaladam Kamaisa. A person's Shliach, a person's messenger, is like them. And a Shliach can't do anything more than a person themselves can do. If I can't do it, then my Shliach can't do it. So, how's it possible you could have the Kahanim and the Besamikdash doing something that Klaizor can't do? They're not our shluchim. Vaistais must be that the shluchim are Rachmana. The Gemara says, "No, hachi karmile." This is what uh, this is what they would say. The kain gadol, mash bein anu alecha. We're making you take a oath. Al daitenu va'al das bezdim on our das and on das bezdim. Okay, meaning that granted you're representing Hakadosh Baruch Hu. But the way that you do it needs to be done with our das and the das of Bezdin. Why was this so important? Again, because we had Kahanim Gedailim that weren't fit. And they would have in mind on behalf of their uh, whatever, their Tzaduki Shmuki, whatever thing that, whatever they, they had in mind. And therefore, we didn't make, um, uh, we, we didn't state that they were Shluchei of Klal Yisrael. Rather, we said, you're going to go al-daitenu. You know how you're going to represent HaKadosh Baruch Hu? On our das of the Zikinim, and also the al-das Bezdin. This is not your place to have your own das. Okay. Two dots. What do we say in the next part of the Mishnah? After saying this, he would cry and they would cry. Why would he cry? Because they suspected him of being a tzaduki. Okay. Now, um, let's just finish this, and I'll explain what's going on here. The parshin and they would turn aside and cry. If you suspect somebody innocent, you're like a bagufa. A person's uh, gonna, you know, a person could become uh, ill. A person could become ill through um, through being chayshed b'kshirim, and that's what they just had to do. So you see, sometimes, sometimes you need to be chayshed b'kshirim, right? You want to help somebody in order to make sure something's done right. We need to be chayshin. and uh, But they would cry that that needed to be done. And he would cry. They consider him to be a tzaduki. And the reason why this is so valuable is because you know what you see from here? We really don't know who anybody is. We really don't know who anybody is. We don't, some, uh, you know, uh, I could just say for myself, I don't. I probably don't even know who I am, right? Something, we're trying to figure ourselves out, right? We're trying to, uh, 
keep developing into the best into the best we can be. And because people themselves confuse themselves, it's very hard for others to ultimately know. But that's what needed to be done. The reason why we did all this is so he shouldn't bring anything from outside inside. The same way the tzedukim would do. The tzedukim made a drasha from the um, from the pasuk, and again, this is a good sign when you have when you have uh, the dafyami, a person's limud fall out in the connected to the parshas hashavua, which uh, which we have over here. But the pasuk says that a person cannot come at any time that they want to the kaidesh hakadoshim. And they explained it to me that you're supposed to come with something into the Kaidesh HaKadoshim. You're not allowed to walk in without uh, uh, not holding anything. And they would purposely bring things in from the outside. And that's what we were trying to uh, refrain from. Period. End of, uh, end of that Shakla Vitaria. Says the Gemara, Tan Rabbana, new Brisa. Tan Rabbana, the rabbis learned so should we. This is my story with the Tzaduki, who... Uh, took the Keteres into the uh, into the Kedesh Um while it was already burning. And he left, and he was very happy. His father said to Amarlai, He says, even though that's our belief, okay, you got to be scared of the Purushim. Now the Purushim are the tzaddikim, okay, people who are righteous, people who are parosh, people who separate from this stupidity and ridiculousness that goes on in the world. Amar lai, kol yama yisim etzdar ala mikra azet. And I, he says, his father tells him, he says, I was always nervous about the following posuki, but onin ra'al kaperes, you're not allowed to go on any time you want, because um, my glory, the glory of the Baruch is found on the kaperes. Amarti masa yavali yodi vakamena. And I said to myself, when am I able going to be able to fulfill this pasuk according to the way I want to? Now that I was able to do it, um, I'm happy that I did it like a tzaduki. They said, He died and he was thrown into the garbage. And there were maggots that were coming out of his nose. Okay, which is very appropriate for sinning with the Kataris. Okay, that's very funny, very good. Bi'eshaimrim, and some say nigaf. As soon as he walked out, um, he got a he was hit by a plague. The t- we'll explain what this is. Tanya of Chir of says nishma bazara. There was a sound, a voice heard in the azara shabam malach malach came v'chavate alpanav and smacked him on the face. Afraskin punim. And the other Kahanim uh, showed up to hear what's going on with the noise. You know, there's a there's a bang. Everybody turns around, see what's going on. And it looked like he had the foot of a calf uh, uh, kick him between his shoulders. Okay? The feet of Malachim. Are are straight, but kaf raglachem kaf regal egal, and the sole of their feet are like the bottom feet of a calf, and that's how everybody knew that a maluch came and took him out. Period. Two dots. Here we go. 
Amr of Zechariah ben Kvoto. Reb Zechariah ben Kvoto says, Masni le Reb Chanan bar Rav Lechia bar Rav Kameda Rav. Reb Chanan bar Rav said to Reb Lechia bar Rav in front of Rav. Okay, so he will call it. This was a tutoring session, so to speak. He's talking to Reb Lechia bar Rav, and the father's there. Rav's there. He says to him, Amr of Zechariah ben Kvoto. It doesn't. I'm, I made that up. Okay, this is something. It's not a, a tutoring session, right? But this uh, Rab was around. So you got to be careful what you tell somebody's children when their father's around. Amr Zechariah ben Kvoto u'machvilei Rav Bide Rav Rav Let me start again. One second. Masti le Rav Chanan bar Rav lechia bar Rav. Rav Chanan bar Rav said to lechia bar Rav kamei Rav. Amar Rav Zechariah ben Kvoto. This is when he was quoting the Mishnah. The way that. The way that we quoted it, umachvile rav kvoto, and Rav told him that the name is kvoto, not kvoto. Okay. Sometimes you hear people pronounce the name Rivka, Rivka. Right. I'm sure How- uh, Howard's not on right now. Uh, I don't see him on. But sometimes everybody is your name Rifkin or Rivkin, right? What's your name? Yeah, you, you, the the fey and the 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 fey and the vase. So he says it's kvuto. It's not kvuto. The name of Meimar. Why did he why did he show him? Why didn't he just tell him? Gemara says kriyashma have kari. Okay, here we go. Uh, so now we're gonna get into some interesting halachas. Yeah, now we're gonna start talking about shema. The reason why he couldn't say anything and he motioned to him that it should you know instead of is because Rav was in the middle of Kriyashma. You let it do that while you're in the middle of Shema. You're not allowed to you're not allowed to hint with your eyes, or even articulate words with your lips without pronouncing. Okay? What we it's like um, you know, a silent talk. You move your mouth, but uh, you don't you don't say anything, you shouldn't do that. Or point with your fingers. Yeah, he doesn't call out to me, um, my children of Yaakov. Okay, now Yaakov was the one who recited Shema. And if you don't recite Shema properly, so you see that you're not following in our forefather of Yaakov. So we have a question on Rav. How can Rav show him? While he's in the middle of Shema, that it's kvotol gezuntay and not kvotol laikasha habe parakrisha and habe parakshini. During the first parak, that you're not allowed to do any of these things. During the second parak, it is permitted. Period. Okay. Now that we're talking about Shema, let's keep going. All right. Again, how are we getting onto the sugya? Because we have uh, we had a quote from our Mishnah. One of the one of the uh, Tanayim was Rav Zechariah ben kvotol. We said a story that Rav that that uh, Rav Chanon Barava said the name was Kvoto. Rav showed him Kvoto. Why did he only show him? Because he's a middle of Shema. Now we're going to start talking about Shema. Beautiful. Here we go. That the words of Torah should be spoken over. Bum to them. What does it mean? We should speak words of Torah and the words of Shema that are in the Torah. Bum veloi betfila. Okay, what does this mean? What this means is that um, when you say uh, when you say Shema, it should be done out loud. But when you daven, 
it should be done quietly. Vidibarta bum. You speak these words of Taira of Shema. Veloy betvila. Tvila should not be davened out loud. Vidibarta bum. Should speak these words. Bum yesh lecha rishos ladaver. Veloy betvarim acherim. You should speak words of Taira, but not dvarim acherim. Yeah, says Rashi. Words dvarim acherim. Useless words. Okay, things that don't help anybody. Ravach Omar, Ravach says, Vidibarta Bam also teaches us, The main speech that comes out of a human being's mouth should be words of Torah. Everything else should be the temporary thing. It's not like when we find time we speak words of Torah. It's when we find time we should speak words of other things. Omar Rava, Rava says, You hit us. A person who speaks... Sichas chulin. Chulin means nothing constructive. There's people who speak in an unconstructive way. So you've transgressed in Asay. Why? You've wasted the positive commandment of Vidibar Tabam. Shema Vidibar Tabam. When you speak, it should be words that are tyradic, words that are constructive. Which means nothing else. And if I speak other things, so I've, I gave up on an Asay. Ravakabar Yaakovam, Ravakabar Yaakov says, not only over an Asay, over Belav. That just speaking tires a person out, and anything that tires a person out is forbidden to speak. A pasuk in kaiheles, a person is not a not allowed, should not be doing things that make themselves tired. Okay, very very beautiful and powerful idea, and that is that our entire lives and our focus should be uh, around. Taira, which is constructive, it should have to do with HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the Ratzah in Hashem. Okay. Beautiful, beautiful. Zuck the Mishnah. Here we go. Next Mishnah now on the second wide line. On Yud Tes, Amud Beis. Let's try to get to the Mishnah on Chaf Here we go. Bikesh Lishnami, the Kaingado, wanted to, his name, doze off. Okay? And, um, Will uh, you know what? What does uh, dozing mean? Okay, so we we learned this before. What does dozing mean? Yeah, it means he's a uh, he, he guy could answer his name, but he can't answer anything logically. Okay, so the the young kahanim gedolim, that was the young kahanim gedolim. The young kahanim would would uh, snap their fingers. Okay, they would snap their fingers, um, and. The word Tzorada is referring to a particular finger, which the Gemara will get into. And this was to, you know, make noise and shock him awake. Right? And they would say, Ishi Kain Gadol, our master Kain Gadol, stand up um, uh, on the floor, which was cold. Yeah, go, go, go take a walk. He can't fall asleep. And he will keep him busy until it came time to shech the Karban And My Tzorada, what is the snapping of the Tzorada finger? Amr of Yehuda, Tzorada did it's the one, it's the finger connected to the other finger. Says the Gemara Shkoyach, yeah. Ma'ihi, what's that? Gudul, it's the thumb. Okay? So, what does it mean? The thumb, and then the finger next to them, what we call the index finger, they would snap these fingers together to, to keep the Kayin Gadol awake. Machvi Ravuna, the Azakala Bekule Beirav. Ravuna showed them how to do this, and he knew how to snap his fingers so loud. That it went all around the, the, the whole base measure stopped. <laughs> yeah. 
the, the sound of snapping his fingers could be heard throughout the whole yeshiva of Rav. Right? Um, okay. Next part of the Mishnah. Our master can go get up and stand on the floor. Oh, show us something. The, the word chida is like a riddle. Yeah, what's a riddle? A, a unique situation, something that's very unique. It says, let's learn something new. Okay? Mahi, what do they ask him to do? They told they asked him how to do kida. There's different types of ishtachavos. There's different types of bowing. There's a bowing that's done on one's knees, a bowing that's done with the knees on one head, a bowing that was done laying out on the floor and kind of doing a push-up with your thumbs, which is terribly difficult. And then after you do a push-up, you're only on your thumbs. Your whole body's up there, you're on thumbs. And then you use that to force yourself and stand up off your thumbs. A very uh, unique talent uh, that, um, that needed to be learned and accomplished. And they would ask the Kargadot to show them how to do this. And this is what would keep him occupied and keep him awake. They'd keep him up until it came time to shech the kavra. We learned in the brayso. They didn't keep him up with any sort of instruments, um, but with singing. Okay, they used singing. They would sing in front of him. And what would they say to him? If Hakadosh Baruch Hu would not have built the house, Shav Amloi by Nabai, then it would be uh, useless for the work that they that uh, the builders put into it. There's no purpose on having a big, beautiful shul, a big, beautiful school, a big, beautiful base Hamikdash if the Ebrister is not in there. So that the Kayin Gadol would hear them awake, and therefore he wouldn't fall asleep when he other people are awake and they're staying up learning. So that kind of you know uh, kept the Kayin Gadol company, and he knew that he could do it too, and he had the sounds and the voices of Tyra that were coming into his mind throughout the night. Tani, we learned to the Braisa. Abashol Aimer, Abashol says, Even the Chashva people of the Gvulin would stay up the whole Yom Kippur, Zechel HaMikdash. Zechel HaMikdash, their minds, what went on the base of Mikdash, Elo Shayu Chaitim. But there was, uh, <laughs> this doesn't sound too good, but uh, let, let's keep reading what it means that there was a sin. And I think we should uh, contemplate what goes on on Shavuos night. Uh, in some places, uh, the, the city where sins would happen is the city of Narda. Navi said to Rav Yehuda, the brother of Salah Hasida, "You want to know why Mashiach? You want to know why Mashiach's not here?" And there's many besulim, many virgins, who are having relations in Arda. Amar Lei, Sir Yehuda says, "Tell Yo, Hakadosh Baruch Hu, my Amar. What does Hakadosh Baruch Hu say about what's going on in Arda?" Amar Lei, Elio, and Avi said to him, "Top of tomorrow's das, daf lepesach chatos reivets." Yeah, it's the Yitzhahara. That that uh, gets a person on the holiest day of the year, on Yom Kippur, when these things are 
are usher uh, even not with a basula. Okay? But the Itzahara uh, has a greater opportunity and he comes out much stronger. Besatan my Omar. And what does the Satan say? Omar Le Aliyo told him, Satan Biyoma de Kipure, Lesle Rishusa La Astune. Fascinating. The it's the same person. Right? It's the same Kayak. The Satan is also the Itzahara. But the power of the Itzahara is astronomical. But the power of the Satan could do nothing. So on Yom Kippur, there's Averis being performed, but the Satan still can't go, go can't uh, take advantage of that. This is unbelievable. This is fascinating. Mimai, how do you know that? Omar Rami Barchomer, Rami Barchomer says, Hasatan begamachia tlos mo'a vishitim arba have. The Satan is 364. Tlos mo'a vishitim arba And therefore, he only has control over 364 days of the year. And on Yom Kippur, he has no right, he has no power to um, be the prosecutor of Kalal Yisrael. And we will hold it here for today. Unbelievable. Mamish unbelievable.